0: Christchurch,
1: Christchurch, Christchurch New Morden,
2: oh yeah Well a very big welcome once again to this, our second recorded service for members of Christchurch New Morden and anyone else out there who wants to listen to this as well. I'm Stephen Kurt, vicar of Christchurch. A week is a long time at the moment, isn't it? And with the regulations about isolation needing to be observed, most of the contributions made by others towards this service have had to be recorded in their homes. So do bear with us if the editing and the quality uh, makes that rather obvious. But I'm grateful to Elizabeth Hill, our administrator, for editing the various bits into what you're hearing now. The songs and the hymns that we'll be hearing and hopefully joining in with this week are supplied by John and Pauline Palmer And once again, we're very grateful to them for doing this. So we're going to begin with some words of praise. O Lord, open our lips. And and our our mouths shall proclaim proclaim your your praise. praise. Give us the joy (laughs) of your saving help.
1: And and sustain sustain us us with your your life-giving
2: spirit. And now we're going to uh, sing or listen to our first hymn, and this is, well, I must confess my favourite hymn, Christ Triumphant, Ever-Reigning, Saviour, Master, King. At a time like this, we need to know that God is in charge of the world, and that's certainly what this wonderful hymn proclaims loud and clear. We've come together online in the name of Christ to offer our praise and thanksgiving to hear and receive God's holy word, to pray for the needs of the world and to seek the forgiveness of our sins that by the power of the Holy Spirit we may give ourselves to the service of God. Jesus says repent for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. So let's turn away from our sin and turn to Christ confessing our sins in penitence and faith. We say together.
1: to to the the glory of of your name.
3: Amen.
2: May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for for he he has heard heard the voice of our prayer. prayer. Therefore shall our hearts dance for joy and and in in our our song will we praise our our God. Blessed are you, Lord our God, creator and redeemer of all. You. To you be glory and praise forever. From the waters of chaos you drew forth the world, and in your great love fashioned us in your image. Now through the deep waters of death you have brought your people to new birth by raising your son to life in triumph. May Christ your light ever dawn in our hearts as we offer you this, our sacrifice of thanks and praise Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed, Blessed be God, be God forever. forever. The night has passed, and the day lies open before us. Let us pray with one heart and mind. As we rejoice in the gift of this new day, So may the light of your presence, O God, set our hearts on fire with love for you, now and forever.
3: Amen. Amen.
2: Following our confession and the promise of God's forgiveness that we've received, let's respond to him again now in song with our second hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. And this is a hymn that asks Jesus to take every part of our lives and further conform them to his holy will. We're going to have our Bible readings now, and uh, Nathan is uh, our youth minister here at Christchurch, and Nathan's going to read to us from the Old Testament book of
4: Lamentations.: Lamentations chapter one, verses one to nine: "How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations? She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labour, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. All her gateways are desolate, her priests groan and her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters, her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. All the splendour has departed from daughter Zion. Her princes are like deer that find no pasture. In weakness, they have fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honoured her despise her, for they have all seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. Look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The second reading is from Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 19 to 40. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. To crush underfoot all prisoners in the land? To deny people their rights before the Most High? To deprive them of justice? Would the Lord not see these things? Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Let us examine our ways. And test them, and let us return to the Lord.
2: Thank you, uh, Nathan. And we're going to hear uh, another reading now, and this is from Katie Loffman, one of our readers uh, here at Christ Church. And Katie is going to read to us from Mark's Gospel.
0: The reading is from Mark chapter eight, beginning at verse thirty-one.
2: in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Now, some of you out there uh, may be less familiar with these words, but hopefully uh, a number of us will have said them enough times for quite a lot of it to have lodged uh, in uh, our minds. And uh, it might be that you want to join in with those parts of this that you're familiar with, or it might be that you just want to listen to these words of proclamation of the great truths at the heart of our faith.
1: He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead.
4: I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church,
1: the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
2: Well, it continues to be a very odd and unsettling time, doesn't it? with so much of life around us changing and at a truly bewildering speed. A few weeks ago, everything about our lives appeared quite normal. But now, because of the spread of coronavirus, schools are shut, pubs are shut, gyms and shops are shut, church buildings are shut. We're now in isolation, at least in a physical sense, from one another. And overall, we're living within a world that in an incredibly short space of time has been turned completely upside down. Things are never going to be the same again. I've heard that phrase from more than one person recently, and when I've asked whether they're speaking about positive or negative changes, they've usually replied both. Within the negative category belong most obviously loss of human life, but also economic, social and educational disruption. But even as people worry about these things, they are often able to point as well to positive changes occurring as a result of this crisis. Changes which they hope will turn out to be permanent. An increased concern for those who are more vulnerable amongst us. A greater awareness of the importance of family and friends. And perhaps a greater chance for our planet to rest from the pollution and exploitation which is a byproduct of that life that we used to think was normal. Dramatic change is occurring as one way of life gives way to another, with none of us quite knowing what the future will bring. And as I've thought about this situation, it's caused me more than once to reflect on that famous novel by Margaret Mitchell called Gone with the Wind. If you haven't read the book, you've probably seen the film, which is all about a young woman in the deep south of 1860s America called Scarlett O'Hara, whose entire way of life is suddenly swept away as a result of the American Civil War. And the reason why Gone with the Wind created so much resonance when it first appeared is because at that point, the whole world was again being turned upside down through the coming of the Second World War. And that's got similarities to how many of us feel again now, as the way of life that we got used to and felt comfortable with and assumed would continue has suddenly and violently been swept away. And if there's one book of the Bible that very directly addresses this kind of situation, it's the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Lamentations comes from the 6th century BC and responds to the destruction of the city of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. Jerusalem was God's holy city, the place where he'd promised to dwell amongst his people forever, and for most Israelites that made it totally unthinkable that it could ever be destroyed. But in 586 BC the unthinkable occurred. As Jerusalem and its temple were destroyed and many of its people taken off into slavery and exile. And the book of Lamentations is eloquent testimony to the shattering blow that this represented for the Jewish people as everything that they had counted on to continue suddenly went up in smoke. And as those words from the first chapter of Lamentations were read to us a few moments ago, I wonder how many of you felt echoes of our present situation How deserted lies the city once so full of people how like a widow is she who was once great among the nations she who was queen amongst the provinces has now become a slave it's not a perfect parallel of course because we haven't been literally invaded by an alien force but in another sense of course we have haven't we And when we read the book of Lamentations, there's a great deal that will resonate at this time with people's feelings of shock and their sense of loss. And that's because the Bible never attempts to sugarcoat things that are bad. Lamentations, and the same goes for a number of the Psalms, gives full voice to those deepest feelings of desolation, fear, confusion, and indeed abandonment by God that many people feel when everything that they were used to and counted upon is suddenly dashed away. And having such material in the Bible is valuable because we need to express these feelings rather than bottling them up. It's healthy to express how we feel and particularly to express our anxieties, our fears and our pain. And lamentations together with the Psalms gives us the words to do this. They show us how lament and grief take their place alongside prayer as a vital part of the journey of faith of God's people in a broken world. Very much included within this is repentance for our role in this broken world. Most of us will recognise that we really shouldn't be the same after this crisis. That as a people we need to become less selfish, less materialistic, less comfortable when people in other parts of the world face dangers similar to coronavirus all the time. Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. It says in Lamentations 1 verse 8. And this can give voice to our repentance and all the ways in which a crisis like this prompts us to tell God that we're sorry for what we've been part of doing to his world and its people. But however much this part of the Bible concentrates on giving voice to these feelings of grief and repentance, that's never God's only word. Despite the horror of events like the fall of Jerusalem and coronavirus, the writer of these poems never gives in to the idea that life is random, but sees a God of justice behind everything happening in the world. And whilst at one level that might be disturbing to us, it's precisely this which leads us to the hope that the book contains within it. So in chapter 3 verses 19 to 24, its writer says, I remember my affliction and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. When everything else is collapsing, it's declaring, The compassionate and ever-loving God remains the same. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Compassion literally means suffering alongside someone as the means of helping them and used of God it points to him constantly finding new ways of revealing his love afresh to us through the disasters of life. And that's why however bad disasters like the fall of Jerusalem, the second world war and coronavirus may seem at the time, their things that we're promised will not consume us, because none of them will have the final word. The final word instead will always belong to the God whose compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And he's a God whom, as we await his rescue, calls us to the difficult task of that repentance, an ongoing faithfulness towards him, Let us examine our ways, it says in Lamentation 3 verse 40, and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. And of course, the way we express our repentance and our turning back to God is when we are resolved to live differently. When we are resolved to respond to the hardships, such as those around us at the moment, not by turning in on ourselves and looking simply to our own needs, but by looking outwards to the needs of others. If you've seen the film of Gone with the Wind, you'll probably remember its most iconic scene. Scarlett O'Hara returns to her home to find it pillaged and in ruins, to find her beloved mother dead of typhoid fever, hardly any food to eat, and everything seeming to depend on her. And her response is that famous line where she raises her fist and declares, I'll never be hungry again, no, nor any of my folks. If I have to lie, steal, cheat or kill, as God is my witness, I'll never be hungry again. Now, they are iconic words, but they're also terrible ones. As Scarlet does indeed go on to do all of those things that she lists, lie, steal, cheat and kill. And she does survive, but at a terrible cost to others and ultimately to herself. But there's another key character in Gone with the Wind called Melanie Wilkes, who chooses a very different path through the chaos of change, the path of sacrificial love. And that's the very approach that God summons us to at times like this. And it's the one summed up in that reading from Mark chapter 8, where Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he or she must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. Jesus' answer to how we make our way through life, particularly when everything appears to be crashing down around us, is paradoxically by refusing to turn in on ourselves and looking outwards instead to the needs of others. Turning away from making our rescue and that of our nearest and dearest the be-all and end-all and living lives that become the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us through giving our lives away in acts of sacrificial love. And that's part of the positive change that we're seeing occur all around us at the moment, aren't we? As one way of life gives way to another. Neighbours who up to this point have hardly known one another, putting notes through each other's doors to ask if they need anything done or bought for them, streets setting up WhatsApp groups for people to do the same, retired doctors and nurses going back to work in the NHS at a time of desperate need, and people realising that obeying the rules, restricting our freedom of movement and staying at home is a way of directly saving other people's lives. The greatest way that God revealed his never failing compassion and his eternal faithfulness was when he sent his Son Jesus Christ to die for us on the cross. It was that act of grace which dealt with our sin and won our forgiveness. But we never demonstrate more fully that we live within that grace than when we follow, however imperfectly, that model of being prepared to give our lives away for others. Doing those unselfish, we could say unscarlet-like, acts that our very best impulses are prompting within us. Those acts of love and care for people that we hardly know, and perhaps will never know. And it's then that the God of never-ending compassion and faithfulness will be working most fully through us. When everything that we've known appears to be collapsing, when it appears gone with the wind, we really can depend upon, trust and be obedient to the God whose compassions never fail because they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Well, we're going to be led in prayer now by Becky Mills. Becky, like uh, Katie, is a reader uh, here at Christchurch. And we're grateful to Becky for um, writing these prayers, uh, which is going to lead us in now. Thank you, Becky.
3: Holy one, during this time of social distancing and lockdowns due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we thank you that we can still be connected to one another in so many other ways. We thank you that we can feel joined together as a community like this by worshiping and praying together online. We especially remember those who are unable to connect with loved ones. We pray that through all the community groups that have been set up, there will be no one who is isolated and alone. We particularly pray that as a church, we have everyone covered in our families near and far, in our church and in our streets. We pray that no one will go silently hungry or in need. Give us all the grace to be able to receive help and to give help abundantly and generously to others. Help us to be the body of Christ that you call us to be in this moment. Help us to be the voice of hope, the voice of peace, the voice of comfort in these troubling times. We pray for all of us who are anxious and afraid. Remind us that we are infinitely connected to you and we can come to you in prayer at any time to receive your healing. We lift up our anxious hearts to you. Bathe us in your everlasting love. You are ever present and unchanging. You are the rock on which we all depend. Strengthen us and give us courage to face the difficulties ahead. Though you are always present with us, you are also able to see things from the heavenly perspective. From a distance, the earth is a giant ball swirling with white and blue and green. You are able to hold all of this in your hands, as well as holding each one of us individually. You can see beyond this present crisis and with your strength, we will get through. May we be your hands and feet right now in our neighbourhoods and our hospitals and clinics as we work to safely feed each other, heal each other and look out for each other. We thank you that Nathan, Anna and Emily Larkin are recovering well but we earnestly pray that you would surround Famiko Ferguson with your healing love. We ask that she would feel your strengthening presence close by her especially now as visiting times to the hospital have been cancelled. We thank you that she has made small steps in her recovery from coronavirus and, and pray that this slight improvement will continue and she will be able to return home to her family in the near future. Father God, surround the whole family with your tender love and care at this very anxious time. Guide our leaders who make wise decisions regarding all the precautions we need to take to halt the escalation of the virus. Guide the healers on each continent, in each country around the globe, and be with them, and each of us, as we struggle to navigate doing things in new ways. Sustain the researchers, the virologists, laboratories and medical transport teams with your hope. And your energy. We remember the ways the coronavirus outbreak is impacting large companies who may have to lay off staff and small business owners who may be suffering financial hardship. We pray that no one will go without the necessities of daily life. We remember the homeless community as the night shelter comes to an end. We thank you for the friendships that have been built and the support that has made a huge difference to people already in crisis before the coronavirus outbreak. We pray that KCAH will be able to find accommodation for each and every one of them. We pray your protection over the staff at KCAH who are continuing to work in the offices to find options for everyone in housing crisis. May we be able to rebuild so that as a community we're stronger than we were before. May we hear your songs of hope ringing from the balconies of Italy. May we hear your song of hope ringing from scripture, of your risen glorious resurrection life. The hope of your kingdom of peace and justice, beauty and relationship, when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Amen.
2: Well, it's important uh, at this time that not every conversation uh, is about coronavirus and that we talk about other things. And so we're going to chat for a few moments now about the night shelter, which we've been running at Christchurch during February and March, and which has now finished. And I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Parker, who's been in charge of the shelter. and. Uh, Sarah's going to um well answer a few questions about it so Sarah the night shelter something that we've been uh, running at Christchurch for around about a decade now and you've been in charge of it uh, throughout that time and uh we've got about 12 homeless people who come each week for a meal and then somewhere to sleep for the night um but I wanted to ask you why is this work so important and what were the particular challenges of leading it this year?
5: I think it's important to remember that there are people who are homeless and that that even today we have homeless people and it's quite shocking when you imagine that that's happening still. Um, So just not to have somewhere to call your home is just quite shocking to me. I think we we had some challenging guests, one in particular who had quite... uh, um, difficult uh challenging lifestyle himself, and I think that was difficult for us to deal with because we were dealing with some unknowns we didn't know how he was going to respond, and I did find that quite challenging
2: yeah, and what about recruiting uh, volunteers Sarah? Um, I mean we have uh, people to do the evening shift and then uh, brave folk to do the the night shift uh, from eleven to two thirty and two thirty to Uh, to six and then some coming in to do breakfast but um, was it difficult recruiting people to do those shifts or was it easier than other years?
5: Um, It's funny how some weeks are always easier seem to fill up quicker than others there have been a couple of weeks where it was difficult but the volunteers came through in the end and uh, yeah it's it's always a worry that you won't have those uh, vital slots filled but they did. As you know, we did manage it every single one.
2: Really good food was cooked at the shelter, enjoyed by not just the uh, the guests but the volunteers as well. Why is the uh, why is the meal, do you think, such an important part of the night shelter?
5: I think it's about creating community. I think if we can create the community at the shelter and make it feel that it's, they're not at something that's just been put on for them, but that we're all in this together. We're sitting down together, we're enjoying each other's company, and it's a great leveller, mm. I think, that's what's so important. And we all love, well, most of us like to enjoy eating good food that's been cooked by somebody else.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what about the, I mean, we've got a washing machine at Christchurch. We're very fortunate with that our buildings aren't we we've got a washing machine and a shower and a tumble dryer and how important were those things uh, do you think in the delivery of the night shelter this year
5: i think this year they particularly seem to want to use the washing machine um in a way that other years have been less there's been less to take up this year we were struggling at times to make sure that All the washing got uh, got done, but we did manage it uh, each time. But yeah, it was a vital part to them, and and I understand that.
2: Now the shelter obviously had to to finish uh, a week early, sadly, because of uh, coronavirus. But uh, you know, what's the significance of doing this? Some some people might say, well, it's a drop in the ocean. How can we really uh, make a difference to the lives of people who are homeless just by sort of taking them in for two months? Uh, However however good the food, however good the shelter, um, and however sort of welcoming, uh, there might be some who'd think, well, really, in the grand scheme of things, this really can't make any difference. Uh, what, would be, what would be your response to that?
5: Well, anything that uh, is done for the better, you know, to, to improve the lives of somebody else where they're pretty low down in the pecking order has got to be good but ultimately it gives those people a bit of headspace where they're warm, they've had good food, they've been looked after and cared for. And then it allows the other agencies uh, to be able to, to, to work better with them because that person is in a better place than they would be if they'd been on the street. So even in eight weeks, they can be, you know, make a big difference to how people move forward. Um, to getting accommodation and getting the support that they need with, with their particular needs, because all of them have got um, issues they're trying to deal with and requires agencies to help them to achieve those things. So yes, I think even though it's only eight weeks, I think it makes a huge difference.
2: Yeah well obviously Sarah we are hugely grateful uh that you uh continue uh, to run the night shelter and put so much energy and commitment into it and what would you say to to all the people who contributed we had people uh obviously that were cooking meals and uh, being on the various shifts but there were other people who did other jobs as well weren't there people who would uh, do washing up and um Washing of tablecloths and supplying flowers for the tables, which actually made a big difference. What would you say to uh, to all of these volunteers at the end of uh, the shelter for another year?
5: Well, you just can't do these things without them, and it requires all those people, whatever, however large or small the the part they played, they're all important and and allow the shelter to happen. And the more volunteers you have that are willing to do those things and commit to it, the the easier it is all around. So, yeah, an absolute massive thank you to all the volunteers who helped and turned up and, uh, you know, were very committed and and interested in what was being done and willing to help. So, yeah, huge thank you to all of them. And there were many volunteers over those eight weeks, seven weeks.
2: Yeah, and it was a wonderful atmosphere, wasn't it? I mean, I th- I think the atmosphere was just fantastic uh, this year and uh, a lovely bunch of people who came along and yeah. uh, both guests and uh, volunteers and, and a wonderful atmosphere. And I'm sure that um, it did a huge amount of good, not just for the guests, but for us as a church mm-hmm. as well. So we're very grateful. And- Thank you so much, Sarah.
5: Well, also, I'd like to say, I think, you know, if we can... Try to keep to remembering all these guests that we've come um, up against in these last few weeks, because they they will begin to feel, particularly in these uncertain times, very vulnerable um, now. So yeah, if we can try and remember them in our prayers, um, even if we don't remember all their names, but you know God knows each one of them, and we can lift them uh, to Him in prayer.
2: Fantastic. Thanks so much, Sarah. All right then. Well, it's time for our final hymn, and uh, this is O Lord My God, When I in Awesome Wonder. And it's a hymn that speaks about so much of God's creation and how much it proclaims His greatness, but also the wonderful truths of rescue at the heart of the Christian faith that we have uh, a God who came in Jesus Christ to rescue us, a God of compassion a God of love, a God who came for every single one of us. So let's now uh, hear and perhaps join in this wonderful hymn together. So our service is nearly at a close. Please do, as I said last week, uh, don't hesitate to get in contact uh, with us uh, if there's anything at all that we can do uh, to help or if you just want to chat. Uh, my phone number is 0208 942 2523 and uh, I can be found uh, on email as well uh, if you go to uh, the Christchurch website. There's the details for how to get hold of me. But let's finish now with words that again I hope a number of us are familiar with, the words known as the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.
1: Christ Church, Christ Church, Christ Church. New oh yeah.